If you have your Bible, turn with me this morning to <clears throat> Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> I want to read to you verses 1 through 20 this morning. Here we have one of the most wonderful stories that really has a tremendous impact for each and every one of us. And I think you'll see that today as we look at the history of what's going on here with this guy named Saul. We hear his name once again here in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. The last time we heard from him, he was making havoc in the church at Jerusalem. He's taking people out of their houses, arresting them, throwing them in prison. Their only crime was following Jesus. Saul was a religious man, a highly educated man. He was extremely zealous for his religion, but he was extremely wrong. So I want to read to you the story today of how Saul came to Jesus. And as you listen this morning, I hope you'll hear about this man who preached Christ. He didn't start out preaching Christ. <laughs> in fact, it was everything he could do to, to stamp out the name of Christ and the message of Christ. But God loves Saul just like God loves you. So listen to his story this morning. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings <clears throat> and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. So Damascus was this city a couple hundred miles north of Jerusalem. The synagogues there were the places where the Jews would gather. They couldn't always go to the temple at Jerusalem, so they would gather in the synagogues to hear the law read and to discuss the meaning of the scriptures and what the prophets had said. So Saul is taking letters with him to these synagogues, and his purpose it says that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Here in verse 2, there's an interesting reference. It says, found any of this way. That phrase, this way, is used several times in the book of Acts to describe what we would call Christians. They weren't being called Christians yet at this point but they were called followers of the way, which is reminiscent of what Jesus said in John 14 in verse 6, where he said, I am the way. You know that verse? Let's say it together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So they were called the followers of the way, and you can see that little phrase used several other times in the book of Acts. If you're studying the book and you come across it and it seems to be referring to believers, they were called followers of the way. So he went thinking that he was going to take men and women and bind them, those who followed Jesus, and bring them back to Jerusalem to stand trial, just like Stephen had stood trial just a few chapters ago in the book of Acts. The Bible says in verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. What a statement that was. When Saul first saw the light, he, he knew it was a light from heaven, but he didn't know who he was talking to. He knew there was some sort of heavenly spiritual interaction taking place, but he didn't know who he was talking to until Jesus answered him and he said, I 
am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I would make one quick point here too, by the way. Isn't it encouraging to know that Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest? Think about it. At this point, Jesus is back in heaven. How is Jesus being persecuted? Well, the Bible teaches us that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are now part of the body of Christ. That Christ is our head and we are members together of His body. Isn't it a blessing to know that the Bible talks about how we can share in the sufferings of Jesus? Philippians 3.10 talks about that. But it's also a blessing to know that Jesus shares in our persecutions as well. He said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. These pricks are the ox goads, those sharp sticks that they would use to move cattle through a chute into the direction where they were going. And God had already allowed a number of these pricks in Saul's life. Saul, as we looked at just a few weeks ago, had heard the message that Stephen had preached as Stephen stood up and declared that Jesus was the way, that to follow Jesus meant to have eternal life and that all the prophets and the Old Testament teachers had all pointed towards Jesus. Saul didn't like that message and he, along with others, participated, consented in stoning Stephen to death. But I believe these were some of the pricks that God was using in Saul's life to point him towards Jesus. Those of you who know Christ as your Savior, can you look back in your own life and see maybe some of those pricks, those pokey things that God allowed in your life and maybe He's still allowing in your life to push you towards Jesus? Be thankful for the pricks that God allows in our lives. And if you'll respond properly to them, they can point you toward Jesus. Saul wasn't responding well to the pricks yet, though. And that's why Jesus told him, it is hard for thee to kick Against the pricks, you're like a stubborn cow that won't go in the direction you need to go and you're sitting there kicking against it. He said, Saul, it's hard for you to do that. But listen to what happened because I believe here in verse 6 of Acts chapter 9 is where we have recorded for us when Saul got saved. At first, he didn't know who he was talking to. Lord, who is it? Who art thou? He says, I am Jesus. But in verse 6, notice Saul's response. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? There's a complete change in this man's life. He goes from wondering who he's talking to to now saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? My friend, if you're here this morning, we need to all come to God with that same attitude. Lord... Because He is Lord. He is God. He is Master. He's in charge. Lord, what wilt Thou have me to do? God, what do You want from me? If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't have a personal relationship, the Lord wants you to be saved. If you have trusted Him and you're walking with Him in a relationship with Him, God wants you to continue in that relationship. God wants you to share the gospel with others. God wants you to live your life in such a way that it points others to Jesus. Jesus said it this way, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Or the book of Ephesians says it this way, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God save you by grace through faith. But then that verse continues on in verse 10. It says, for we are His workmanship. 
That means God has made you just the way He wants you. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in Him. God has a plan for your life, just like God had a plan for Saul's life. In Saul, in verse 6 of Acts chapter 9, we have recorded for us when he changed because God changed him. God showed himself to Saul and Saul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. The men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. Did you know the story of Saul's conversion is actually recorded three different times in the book of Acts? This is the first and most complete record of it. But Saul, whose name later became Paul, shared his own testimony on two different occasions later in the book. Chapter 22, chapter 26. They're short accounts. But this was a pivotal moment. In fact, it was the pivotal moment in Saul's life. Just like the moment you trusted in Jesus Christ has made all the difference for where you are today. And you know, if you look at those other accounts, some have pointed out, they said it seems to be a discrepancy because here in verse 7 it says they heard a voice but saw no man. And, and when you look at the other, it said, it said they didn't hear anything at all. Well, it's the same thing just from two different perspectives. If any of you have children, you know what it is to hear and not hear. I hear noise, but I don't know what's being said. I know I told you this, but nobody was paying attention. This is what happened here. Saul heard what Jesus was telling him. The other men heard noise, but couldn't make sense of it because he wasn't speaking to them. In verse 8, And Saul arose from the earth. And when his eyes were open, he saw no man. He was blinded by that light that he saw from heaven. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now this is just another interesting point to think about from Saul's life. Some Bible scholars believe that Saul had eye problems for the rest of his life from that moment when he saw Jesus. There's only a few places in the Bible where we have recorded for us where God allowed a man to see part of His glory. And this is one of them. And he was blinded at that moment. Later we know he did receive his sight, but because of some of Paul's statements later on in his life, like when he talked about writing in a large hand that he had to make big letters when he wrote and, and he even talks about his thorn in the flesh, and some have surmised that perhaps it was an eyesight problem. Either way, I do think it's interesting to think that God took this man who was very smart, who was very educated, clearly was well-read, and took away his eyesight, even if it was just for three days. Because it was during that time that he spent praying and talking to God. And it says he was three days, verse 9, without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. This, is, there's, this name Ananias is used several times throughout the book of Acts because there were several different people named Ananias. But this particular Ananias is only spoken of here and over when, when Paul's conversion is talked about in Acts 22 He's referenced once again. But other than that, Ananias, this particular Ananias, is not spoken of anywhere else in Scripture. But it says, There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. 
For you Bible students, there's another interesting notation there. Verse number 14, I'm sorry, verse 13 is the first reference to believers as saints. The called out ones. Those who were followers of God. Verse 14, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And if you underline in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline verse 20. It says, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. This morning I want to preach to you on the man who preached Christ. But before I go any further this morning, I need to introduce myself to you. This morning, my name is Ananias. And I want to tell you my story. I grew up in Damascus. If you were to visit there today, you would have to travel a little over 200 miles north of Jerusalem. This city, my city, it's had a long and rich history. In fact, historians tell us Damascus is at least 4,000 years old. It's one of the oldest cities in the entire world that has been in, in continuous settlement all of that time. In fact, you could go there today in 2021. At times... Damascus was a capital city. At other times, wars ravaged through the streets and tore down the walls. But even today, you can go visit this city, my city, and see portions of the wall that were probably there during this time in Acts chapter 9. In fact, you can go to the street called Straight, where Ananias, where I met Saul. And they think they have the place where Saul later, Paul, was let down over the wall to escape the city of Damascus. Because this man who once had persecuted Christians, he too would be persecuted. My name, Ananias, means God is merciful. And I think after I tell you my story today, you will agree that God truly has been merciful to me. I, like many other Jews, grew up studying the law and the prophets. My dad would sit us down every day, and he would quote to us from Deuteronomy, The Lord our God is one Lord. He would make us recite the Ten Commandments over and over again. But as I grew older, I began to memorize and learn even more of the Old Testament. I loved the stories of the kings and the mighty men. I loved the stories of David and his mighty men that God used to do incredible things. But to be honest, I never felt very confident or strong myself. I wondered if God could ever use me. I mean, what do you think? Has God ever used you to do something special? Have you ever wondered 
about your purpose in life? Have you ever been through something in your life and wanted to ask God, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? Have you ever thought that somehow you made a wrong turn somewhere along the way and you just wish you could go back and figure out where your mistake was and and straighten it out and figure out where you messed up? See, as I grew up there in Damascus and, and I began to continue to study the, the Old Testament, in time I became a leader in my synagogue. And there I would go, sometimes every day, with the other men, the other Jews that lived there in Damascus, and we would discuss and talk about the things of the law. <laughs> my life was pretty boring, really, kind of monotonous. It wasn't that much fun to live in those days. The Romans were in charge of everything. Every time you made a little bit of money, they taxed it. Made it impossible to get ahead. To be honest, we were just trying to survive. So we did the best we could. But I remember thinking, maybe maybe the Messiah that Isaiah and those other Old Testament prophets talked about, maybe he would come and free us from the Romans. <laughs> what a great feeling it would be to be free, truly free. But then reality would set back in. And I would think, I know the prophets have promised him, but I don't know if this is ever actually going to take place. But one day, One day, there was a group of friends of mine who came back to Damascus. They they came back to our synagogue. They had been in Jerusalem for a little while. They, They had gone down there to observe the Passover in Jerusalem. And while they were there, they kept hearing about this man named Jesus. They said how they had seen him come into the city on the back of a of a donkey and ride through, and how all the people cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. This Jesus, though, they, the people were so excited. In fact, they told stories of how he had made blind people able to see. And how he had made deaf people able to hear. He'd taken lame people and made them walk. And, and all I could think about was a, was a verse back in Isaiah that my dad used to quote to me all the time. In fact, you can find it in your Bibles. It's in Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 6. The prophet Isaiah said, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, that's me, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. But listen to what he says. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart. And the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And in my heart, all I could think of was maybe, maybe this Jesus was the one that Isaiah had talked about. He was able to do all of the same miracles that Isaiah had promised would take place when the Messiah would come. But then my friends told me how Just a few days later, this Jesus was taken by night, put on trial, and they crucified him. They killed him. This one who taught all of these great things, who did all of these amazing miracles, they killed him. But they told me the story didn't end then because it was about three days later there were whispers that began to spread through the city of Jerusalem. Some people were saying, Jesus is alive. Some of us have have seen him. My friends couldn't believe it. They said, this truly must be the Messiah. If he has the power to rise again from the dead. We heard that he was crucified and nobody comes back from that. Well, 
wasn't too long after that, some of my friends even got to hear Jesus preach again. As he spent 40 days on the earth after he rose again, before he ascended back up into heaven. My friends were so excited about this that they decided to stay in Jerusalem for a few days just to see what would happen next. And as they were waiting, the days were going along until the Feast of Tabernacles. That's something that as Jews we celebrate every year. And, and during this time, all of these Jews had gathered together there in Jerusalem. And that day, Peter, one of Jesus' followers, this guy who used to be just a fisherman, he got up. Something was very different about him. Later we found out he said he was full of the Holy Spirit. And he preached and thousands of people trusted in Jesus that day. Oh, I was so excited to hear about this. I realized that this Jesus was the Messiah that I'd been reading about, that I'd been hearing about, that Jews for generations had been looking for. And I prayed and I accepted Jesus. I, I gave my life to Him. And soon after that, I got baptized. I didn't know what that was until they told me about it. But I learned that followers of Jesus were baptized to tell other people that they were identifying with Him. That was the best day of my life. I realized Jesus hadn't come just to free us from the Romans. He came to give us peace in our hearts, peace with God. And all we had to do was repent of our sin and to believe in Jesus. I was so excited. I rushed home. I told my wife, told my kids, and, and they believed too. And now when we got together in the synagogue after that, all we could talk about was Jesus. And as we searched through the Old Testament pages together, all we could see was Jesus. And, and we were telling everybody how Jesus was the answer to all of these prophecies, all of these promises, all of the struggle, all pointed towards Jesus. It all made so much sense. People were so excited, the news began to spread around Damascus. Other people in other synagogues began to trust in Jesus as well. The word was spreading. It was getting out. It was so wonderful. But one day, one day, not long after this, a couple of new people showed up at our synagogue. They looked like they had been traveling a long way. They were tired. They were dirty. They looked fearful and afraid. And as I talked to them, I found out that Things were exciting in Jerusalem, but then there was this man by the name of Saul, one of the Pharisees. And he was doing everything he could to stamp out those who followed Jesus. He was breaking into their houses and he was carrying them out and throwing them in prison. He, he took some and even had them stoned and put to death. These people had left everything behind. They, they just dropped it and ran just for their own safety, fleeing for their lives. And they, they had made the trip all the way up to Damascus. As we took them in there to the synagogue and we talked with them, we prayed with them, we tried to encourage them, we, we gave them some food. I, I offered for them to stay with my wife and I while they figured out other arrangements. And then later that evening, I went back to the synagogue to meet with some of the other believers, followers of Jesus. And we discussed what we needed to do, and we decided that Jerusalem was a long way away from Damascus. And while the problems were bad there, and we needed to figure out how to help those who had come to Damascus from Jerusalem, that we were probably safe for a little while. But it was just a few weeks later that I woke up early in the morning as I was used to do the smell of jasmine flowers filled the air. Maybe you didn't know that about my city in Damascus, but it's also known as the city of jasmine. They grow all kinds of flowers around, and in the early morning air when it's still, that scent fills the air. It's a wonderful smell. That morning I got up early, and I was praying. I was talking to God, and I was thanking Him for all that He had done, how He'd sent Jesus 
how I could have a, how he had given me a relationship with him. I was so thankful for all that God had done. And as I was there praying, all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden I heard my name, Ananias. I stopped. It must have been God. I said, Behold, here I am, Lord. And then the Lord said to me, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Really? God? Don't you know what this man has done? Don't you know? All these people have now come to Damascus running away from this man Saul and now he's come here to try to hurt us and to hurt our family? God, are you sure? He's done so much evil and now he's come to arrest us and take us to stand trial in Jerusalem. But the Lord said to me, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, I was fearful. I wasn't sure if I could go through with it, but I really wanted to obey the Lord. God had done so much for me. So I got up and, and I went out to that straight street and I found the house of Judas and I went inside and there he was, Saul of Tarsus, the man who single-handedly had done more to hurt other believers than anybody else that I had heard about. And there he was, kneeling on the floor right in front of me, praying. He kind of looked up as I came in, but I could tell he couldn't see me. His eyes weren't able to give him sight at that time. And so I, I reached out my hands. To be honest, they were shaking a little bit. I mean, this was Saul of Tarsus. And I put my hands on him. And trusting what God had said, I just said, Brother Saul. Brother Saul, this man who had been coming to arrest me, take me away from my family, this man who had killed all these other Christians, this man, according to God, was now my brother. Wow. If God can take Saul and make him my brother, God really can do miracles. He really can change people. I said to him, Brother Saul, and I, and I could feel some of the tension go out of his shoulders as he kind of relaxed into my hands. And so I continued on. I said, The Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was the most incredible thing. It was like scales had been on his eyes and they just fell away and he looked up and he was able to see. And he stood up and he said, can I get baptized too? And here this guy saw who'd been out there trying to kill believers and followers of him. I had the privilege to go with some of the other from the synagogue and baptize Saul. You know, I'm a nobody. I'm not an apostle. I was never selected out as a leader in the church. But God chose to use me. <laughs> of course, after not eating or drinking for three days, and then being baptized, Saul was ready for a good meal. I didn't take him home because I wasn't sure my wife could handle all of that just yet. So we made sure we got him some food and we ate together. And all he wanted to do was talk. He was full of questions, but so was I. 
And so finally, after talking to him and answering some of his questions, I, I looked at him and I said, Saul, what changed? Why did you decide to follow Jesus? You of all people, why did you decide to follow Jesus? And Saul began to tell me what had happened just three days before. As he'd been on the way to Damascus with letters from the high priest, letters he told me later included my name as a leader of the synagogue. He was coming to take me away and others back to Jerusalem to stand trial. But as he journeyed, there shone down a bright light on Saul from heaven. And the light was so bright that he fell down to the earth. And he heard heard God say, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul told me, he said, Lord, who are you? And then God answered him back and said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And now looking back, Saul told me, I was kicking hard against those pricks. I I didn't realize it at the time. But I sure realize now. And I'm so thankful that God loved me. Saul said, as I lay there trembling on the ground, I knew that everything that I'd been doing was wrong. I... I, I knew the Old Testament. I had I, kept the law. But the people I was hurting, the people I was persecuting, the people I was even murdering were the people who had it right, and I had it wrong. And I just called out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what would you have me to do? So the Lord said to Saul, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And Saul said, And after that, I I just kind of stumbled along, holding on to a couple of guys as they led me to this house. And this is where I've been for the last three days. I haven't eaten or drank anything. I've just been praying, waiting for you, Ananias, because God told me that you were coming. It was incredible to think that God saved Saul. That God loved Saul enough to save him. The man who had done more harm to the cause of Christ than any other person. God still had a good plan for his life. I'm so thankful that God has a plan for our lives. Aren't you? I want to just share with you a few things. I, Ananias learned that day maybe you have some notes in front of you Ananias has a few points for us number one these aren't complicated things but they hit me hard that day God saves messed up people (laughs) Saul Saul was the man who had consented to Stephen's death. This guy Saul was the man who persecuted the early Christians. But you know, the more I got to think about it, the more I realized Saul wasn't the only messed up person that God saved. I realized that even myself, doing things I wanted to do, I wasn't as mean as Saul, but I was messed up too. I was following after a religious system that couldn't give me hope either. I was hoping that maybe Messiah was going to come, and if it hadn't been for my friends telling me about it, I might have missed it too. (laughs) It's kind of funny to think about this, but Saul later became Paul, and He wrote a whole bunch of letters to Christians all around the world. And he wrote one letter to the Christians in Rome. And I wonder if Saul was thinking about himself when he he wrote the words, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Saul knew he was a sinner. 
wonder if Saul thought back to when he was laying there on the ground trembling after seeing the light when he wrote, for the wages of sin is death. Saul knew he deserved death. But I realized I deserved that same death. And that it is only by the gift of God that I have eternal life. <laughs> Saul really is, uh, he demonstrates the fact that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If anybody was a sinner when Christ died for them, it was Saul. I sure am glad that God saves messed up people. <laughs> I hope I never forget where I came from. Hope I never forget what God has saved me from. And not just what He saved me from, but what He saved me to. What I have now, because I have Christ, I have all that I need. Christ is all I need. I learned that day that God saves messed up people, but I also learned that salvation comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. As Saul told me his story, and he told me how he had asked God, Who art thou, Lord? I mean, here he was. There was a light shining down from heaven, but he didn't know who it was. Saul recognized he was seeing a vision from God, but didn't know whom he was speaking with. But what, I can only imagine what really went through Saul's head when he heard the answer, I am Jesus. This one that Saul had worked so hard to eradicate his message and his teachings, to take his followers and put them in prison and put them to death. And that same one was now speaking directly to Saul. I am Jesus. See, Jesus was working to bring Saul to salvation. Even when Saul was doing everything he could to fight against Jesus, Jesus still loved Saul. Because salvation only comes through faith in Jesus. What a Savior. What a, what a great friend we have in Jesus. You know, I, I, I think back to what some of the religious leaders said about Jesus when he was here on this earth. Because Jesus often went and he ate with publicans and sinners, tax collectors, those people that we all hated. Jesus went and ate with them. And so some of the other religious leaders trying to poke fun at Jesus and get people to turn away called him a friend of sinners. Well, that wasn't a compliment. But I'm so thankful that Jesus was a friend to me that Jesus is a friend to you, and that Jesus was a friend to Saul. Saul realized that Jesus was his friend that day, and he responded by saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord? And you know what? God did have something for him to do. Because that's the third thing I learned that day. Jesus has something for everyone to do. You know, growing up, I was kind of fearful. <laughs> I'm just a Jew living in Damascus. Wishing that times would get better and I could have freedom. And you know, God came and He spoke to me. And He sent me to Saul. I was kind of scared, of course, but God used me to help Saul. And then Saul preached Christ that he was the Son of God. You talk about a miracle. You talk about a change. He went from going his own way and doing everything he could against Christ to now preaching that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God's Son. He is the way, the truth, and the life. What a change. Oh, glorious day that was. But 
What can you learn from my story? Well, already talked about it. God loves everyone. Jesus loves to save sinners. Don't ever forget that. If you're a sinner today, just like Saul was or I was, you can be saved. You can be saved. God has a plan for your life. He used me, Ananias, to preach Christ to Saul. And I learned that God will use anybody if they'll just be obedient to Him. If I'll obey God and walk by faith, God can use me. (laughs) I was afraid because I knew all the bad things about Saul. I didn't know what was going to happen when I went and met him in that room. I had to trust God because if it wasn't God speaking, I probably would have walked in there and he would have arrested me right on the spot. But I trusted God. I'm glad I did. I wasn't, to be honest, I was fearful. But I'm so thankful that I trusted God enough to go and to see Saul that day. And then God used Saul. I mean, think about what God told me to tell Saul in verse 15 of Acts chapter 9. He said, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I'm a nobody, but Saul was going to go out and speak to everybody. He was going to go to the Gentiles. He was going to the kings. He he was going to be in places that I would never get to be. And God used me to help Saul so that Saul could go and continue on. Later he became Paul and preached the gospel to the ends of the world. It began in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria. Philip carried it on. God used Saul to scatter the people out, the believers out. And then God saved Saul and sent him out to go preach the gospel to those people all over the world. I guess Acts 1.8 was true. That they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Praise God. Wait a minute. From the looks of all of you, you look like Gentiles. God used me to minister to Saul, Paul to become, and he became the minister to the Gentiles. You're here today because God used me. God really can use anybody. I'm not talked about a whole lot in the Bible. My name's only mentioned a couple of times. In fact, before today, probably a lot of you didn't even know my name. There's not a whole lot of information about me because you know what? I'm still not anybody. I'm not important. Jesus is important. But God likes to use unlikely things and unlikely people to do great works for Him if they'll trust and obey His will. And I would tell you this, from Ananias' perspective or from Pastor Will's perspective, if you don't know Jesus today, trust in Him. And if you do, my friend, obey His Word. Don't let fear keep you from walking by faith. Because God can and will use you. You may never get to see everything. Ananias definitely didn't in his life. But I have to think that he knows something about all that God has done now as he's up in heaven. And you and I may never see all that God is doing or will do with our lives. But if we'll trust Him and obey Him, 
If we'll be faithful to serve Him, I believe God can use every single one of us. Would you commit your life to Him? To say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I'll go. And for most of us, we already know a lot of what God's told us to do. I find for many Christians today in church, it's not a problem of knowing what to do. It's being obedient to actually do it. I want God to use me. I think most of you want God to use you. It's my prayer that God would use each one of us as we'll walk in faithful obedience to Him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you for using people to do your work. You don't have to use us, but you use us to bring glory to yourself, and we get to enjoy some of the blessings of being used in your service. I pray that you would take these words today the truth from your word. Maybe use it as a fresh perspective, a way to think on truth that would help us to be faithful to you. Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that they would trust in you today. And Lord, for those who know you, May we truly follow you in humble obedience. Lord, we can only walk by faith because if we're walking forward, we really can't see what's ahead of us. We can stand or run in fear or we can walk forward by faith. And I pray that we would be a church that walks by faith that you would use us in your work today, this week, and until Jesus comes back. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.